0: All right, let's get to our passage today. It comes from Mark chapter 1, verses 21 to 28. Um, Let's read this together. The Word of God reads, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then a man in their synagogue who was possessed by an impure spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were also amazed that they asked each other, What is this, a new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our passage today. And just as you always do, we pray that you speak to us, reveal Christ to us. And more than who he is, Father, we pray that you'll continually to reveal to us how much we need him every moment of every day of our lives. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, uh, someone after service last week came up to me and said, Wow, Eddie. And if you were here, maybe you might relate. They, they came up to me after service over the pizza, which we had last week, and they were like, wow, today's message was very sad. You know, and I said, oh, yeah, it really was sad. And then I had realized that what made it sad was I had made all these changes to make it sad. Because I kept them pointing out sad things. If you not, know, you can review the message. And, you know, I went home this week and I thought about it. Uh, and I just thought, wow, why did I do that? Why did I just constantly point out negative things that needed to change? And I realized, because I, it, it was a positive message when I started it, and then I erased 75% of it and made it negative. And you know what it is? And I hope you guys are gracious towards me, you know, I I think what it is, is uh, it's just my heart coming out, my like, and I don't want to say like a father's heart or anything like that, I don't want to claim to be a father, but... You know, it's like one of those things, like, if you have children and they're about to take the HSC or if they're about to, like, try out for the soccer team, the thing that you do that morning to your kids is what? You're very encouraging. Do well, you know. You're going to be great. Just try your best. But, like, uh, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. I experienced this. It's like when, but if, like, your kid moves overseas, like, when I decided to move overseas by myself at 32 years old to Australia from America, like, at the airport, you would think that your parents would say encouraging things to you, but they don't. Right? They say all the things. You don't do this. Be careful of this. And they tell you all the warnings, right? Because it's all those last things that can, those things that can ruin your life. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Am I being too dramatic? And I kind of always feel like, you know, whenever I leave a church, if there were things that I left unspoken, you know, I just wanted to share my heart with you guys. And if you review last week's message, you know, couched in all those negatives, it really is just this desire to say, hey, man. You know, we've played church so for so long, you know. Sometimes church can just become a playground where we just act, where, we, where, where Jesus and our faith is just something we put on display rather than genuinely practice. And it's not that I'm criticizing the church or Christians in any way. I'm just saying oh, what I want for your lives is none of that stuff. And so it's just this encouragement to no longer, to be genuine in your faith, to genuinely love Jesus, to actually walk with Christ and see how amazing he really is, and that 's what I want for you guys, you know, and I kind of felt that if I say it negatively, Asians kind of pay attention a little bit better that 's it, okay uh, so sorry if you guys felt that way, maybe you feel that way right now after what I just said, if so, sorry, but anyway oh i 'm getting very emotional as I think about uh, my time coming to an end here. Anyway, let's just move on. It's not about me. Okay, let's just get into our text today, all right? Okay, you know, in today's passage, is what we read is the first time Jesus engages in ministry. We said he started his ministry before, now he's actually engaging in ministry for the first time. And what we see here in this particular passage is pretty amazing. He goes into a synagogue, starts teaching, maybe not that amazing. But what then he, what he does next is he casts out a demon. Very amazing. When was the last time? Did anyone ever hear, ever see a demon cast out of a person? Ooh, see, there you go. There's something on the bucket list to tick off, right? You know, that's pretty cool. Anyway, but more than what he does, we realize in this passage, it's who he is and the authority that he possesses that really captures everyone's attention. Isn't that amazing? You would think that if if you saw a, a demon being cast out of somebody right now, right before your eyes, that's what's amazing. That's what you tell all your friends about. But that's not what people were talking about. People are talking about who he was and the authority he possesses. That's what actually shocked these people more. What's sad is we read the NIV today, uh, but in almost every other translation, in verse 21, it actually starts off by saying that Jesus immediately went into the synagogue to preach. That word immediately is not in the NIV, which is absolutely sad. But, you know, that word That word immediately is really important because that, what that word immediately tells us is that Jesus was driven by something. He couldn't wait to do what he wanted to do that day. So the question is, what did he want to do that day? Was it to teach people and to cast out demons? Yes, but those two things contributed to what his ultimate goal was. So the question is, what was Jesus' ultimate goal in doing that day? Something he couldn't wait, and he had to immediately begin he wanted to reveal to people that his authority comes from God. And as a result, would, that would reveal their need for him. Okay, That's it. Okay, That will become a lot clearer, hopefully, as we go through the passage today. You know, those, 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 that, that one word is what I want to key on today, and that word is authority. You know, when you think of the word authority, I think we can think of it in two ways. One is kind of like status This is the hierarchy. He's my authority, therefore he's above me in the hierarchy. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at authority is us attributing power to someone to direct us. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's my authority, therefore I can only do what he allows me to do. Someone might... Who's your authority? I hope I explained that well. Well, when we see authority in this particular passage, is it talking about A or B? And it's actually talking about both. Jesus actually is above us in every single way. But it's mainly the second way that this passage is talking about, that it's addressing. Jesus is sovereign. And he has power over all things, especially us and our lives. But what we need to realize whenever we talk about you know authority once again is that whenever Jesus practices or uses his authority to do things, it's never in an abusive or a suffocating way. But it is only out of pure love for us, for our best, that Jesus exercises authority to do all ministry. And that's one thing you need to realize when you read your Gospels, that the only whenever you see Jesus exercise his authority, whether he's casting out demons, teaching people, healing others, rebuking people, it's simply out of pure love for that person, so that they might realize how amazing God really is and their need for Christ. And so, and He does that so that people would one day realize how worthy He is for us to willingly and completely submit to Him in every way. Okay, a lot of words. Okay, but uh, that's what exactly what He wanted everyone to see more than His teachings and His miracles. Um, He wanted us to see him and that his authority comes from God and therefore deserves all of our allegiance and our obedience. And that's the point for today. Christ's authority deserves our obedience and our trust. And there are two reasons why Jesus revealed his authority to people. I have two points today and here it is. The first point is this. The reason why Jesus revealed his authority to people that day and the first thing that he did in his ministry is because he wanted to convey to us that he came to be our authority. Jesus came to be our authority. Verse 21-22 says, They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teacher's Of the law. Now, one thing you have to realize about Capernaum, this particular city, it was a bustling city. It was a huge. It was right in the middle of this huge trade route, you know, a trade route. Right. It was surrounded by fertile lands. There was a lot of farming. There was abundant fishing, and it was an abundant, abundant trade city. And there was a synagogue in the city, which meant that the Romans and the Jews had a great relationship to the point where the Romans actually invested in a synagogue in that city. So it was good. Scribes, teachers of the law, everyone would come from all around. And they would share with people uh, the teachings of the Old Testament, as well as all the teachings of rabbis of the past. In our passage today, Jesus takes the stage and he begins teaching. And, And none of us know exactly what he preached, but it doesn't matter because that's not What's important in this particular passage, the focus is on the authority behind the teaching. In verse 22, it says that the people were amazed at his teaching. Why were they amazed? Because it says, he taught as someone who had authority. What does that phrase, one who had authority, mean? What does that mean? Uh, To put it very simply, it means that he possessed the authority of God okay? There's a very famous document called the Septuagint. Anyone ever hear of the Septuagint? Septuagint is actually a very, very famous biblical document. All of you guys should eventually know it. The Septuagint was the first Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament, okay? Septuagint. It's something you're gonna, you know, something you'll find out if you ever see LXX. Who cares? Just, okay, that's the word, Septuagint. Anyway, it's the first Greek translation of the Hebrew Old Testament. And so when, These these guys were translating the Hebrew Old Testament. Every single time they saw God exercise a supernatural power over the world, they used the word authority. And it's the same word that we find in this particular passage. Okay? Which means that whenever they saw when it says that Jesus, people were amazed at Christ's authority, they were they knew and they felt and they saw that the authority of God, the power that came from Jesus was directly from God himself. That's what it's telling us. And to state it even clearer, Mark writes that Jesus' authority was not like the teachers of the law. And that's not a dig against the teachers of the law. What it really is saying is that Christ's authority was so different that Mark is highlighting and differentiating how divine and authoritative his authority was over human authority people had never seen authority like that in front of their face and so jesus is and he teaches with the authority of god and he did that that day to show that he is god that he you know is from god and so to state that more maybe to state that more personally jesus revealed his authority to people so that he could become our authority, okay? Uh, Now, what does that mean for us? It means this. It means that the way we follow Christ, the way we choose to fear Christ with our everyday lives, should reveal that he is our authority that directs our everyday decisions. That's what it means, okay? Now, I'm going to assume that most of us, you know, we probably are very respectful, good people. If you guys have authorities, like bosses, parents, people above you, I assume that you treat them with great respect, and you probably listen to what they say. Uh, we, we honor them. But here's the question I want to ask you. When you think about, uh, if any of your friends were to hang out with you for a while, and if they observed your life, would they say that the authorities in your life influence and direct your life consistently? Would they say that? Would they come to that conclusion? That your parents or your teachers or your pastor or your boss that they're just not your boss or your pastor but they actually influence and direct your life consistently would they come to that conclusion I have this friend who seriously does not wear the pants in his marriage whatsoever his wife completely controls him you know 100% there is nothing in his life that he is allowed to do without his wife's permission. And so, you know, like one time we were playing golf and we're like on the 17th hole and we're like, hey, and you know, we're like four of us, four guys are playing, we'd be like, hey, hey, after we finish 18, let's go get a burger, right? And we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden we all look at him, all three of us, and he's like, <laughs> you know? And he reaches for his phone, he's like, one second. And it's like, oh, please, please, please. And he's like begging. And then all of a sudden he closes like, yep, let's go for lunch. You know, (laughs) yeah, we're good. And like, there's nothing, he's completely controlled by his wife. And uh, his wife is his authority. And we all know it because he literally lives his whole life like she's the boss. Right? You know, if our passage goes out of its way to say that the authority of Christ was divinely different than every other earthly authority that they've ever seen in their whole lives, then as Christ followers, who we are, shouldn't our fear and shouldn't our following of Christ, which we all claim to do, shouldn't it be divinely different to any other authority that we have within our lives? Right? Shouldn't it influence us that powerfully? And the, question, and the answer is, of course it should. I think it would be absolutely amazing if we who claim to be Christ followers actually feared and followed Jesus, like my friend does, to his wife, right? It's obvious to all of us that she is the boss. Do you know that this man does not even choose his clothes? He's not allowed to wear the clothes he wants to wear, because it has to be approved by his wife. Even the vocabulary that he uses when she's not around is absolutely censored. Do you know what I'm saying? We can just sense from him that he's so conscientious about the boss that rules over her life. And what I'm trying to say is, there's a part of me that says, man, if the word of God goes out of its way to say that divine authority that Jesus is revealing to us is that different and awesome, then shouldn't the way we follow this awesome and divine authority be different? It should. Every one of our friends should look at our lives and know that we follow someone amazing. That this someone that we claim to follow actually has control over us. And we willingly submit, we willingly, and de- and we willingly desire to want to submit to him, to please him. Because we trust that who he is is so good and that he wants to provide only the best for our lives that we would willingly wear what he wants us to wear, to go where he wants us to go, to be who he wants us to be at all times. And everyone, whether it's your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your best friend, you know, the people you go to church with, everyone around you should sense that, wow, my friend here literally lives with this authority as his or her authority. You know what I'm saying? It should be that divinely different. And the thing is, we all need that. You know, because left alone to our devices, what do we do? We don't do that. We don't, we don't do what God wants us to do. We'll sin. We'll literally choose our own happiness over God's. And it will always lead our lives toward destruction. But we need to be his to truly know him and enjoy him. That's what we learned about last week. And it's only when we joyfully submit and follow his rule over us that we actually get more of him. Jesus came to be our authority. He revealed his authority to people so that we would want him to be our own authority. And that's a choice that we need to make every single day. But just to remind you once again, you know, he never uses or, or practices or expresses his authority over us in order to lord his authority over us. He only does, he only gives us his best for our best by guiding us and encouraging us and challenging us to live for him. Do you guys understand that? You know, when you, what I find absolutely amazing is, when you read the rest of your New Testament, um, you can feel and you can sense, when you read the story of his apostles and his disciples, you know, when you read the rest of the New Testament, you can just sense that... All of his disciples and all of his apostles lived every single day with that divine fear, with that complete confidence in his goodness ruling over their lives. They like literally submitted their lives in every single way under his rule and loved it. And even though these are people that we've never met within our lives, we don't even know who they personally are, we read these stories 2,000 years later and we could sense their joy. We could sense their hope. We can, we can feel the love like leaping off of these pages as they fully submitted their lives under Christ's control. There was a divine authority that was there that they absolutely didn't, not just recognized, but love submitting under. And that's something that I think today's Christians need to recapture. You know? And I hope that you do. So here's the question. If, you, if we understand that, right, which I'm sure most of us do, what would a life look like? You know, What does life look like that is fully submitted under the authority of Christ? What does your life look like at work, at home, or with your friends, or at church? What does that life look like that's completely submitted under the authority of Christ? That's one thing. And then the second question would be, you know, what, Changes need to be made in order for us to fear and follow him in that way. Let's do that with our lives. He came to be our authority. The second reason why Jesus revealed his authority to us is to become our savior. Verse 23 to 27 says, Just then a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all amazed that they asked each other, what is this? A new teaching and with authority? He gives even orders to impure spirits and they obey him. So what's happening in this passage is Jesus teaching and all of a sudden this demon-possessed man comes and interrupts that particular teaching and this demon cries out, what are you going to do with us? Right? Have you come to destroy us? Because I know who you are. You're Jesus, the Holy One of God. And there are two things about this demon that you need to know. The first thing that you need to know about this demon is that he's scared. He's absolutely scared, right? And, and, he, and this is how we know that. First of all, he says, what have you come to do? Why did you come? What, are you what, what, is the exact? <laughs> what do you want with us? Jesus of Nazareth. And it's, isn't it interesting that he uses the plural, us, you know? Have you come to destroy us? Now, every theologian that I've read on this particular passage acknowledges that this one demon is one demon. But yet, when he uses the word us, what he's talking about is the whole kingdom of demons. Okay? And so, what, he, and then what he's saying is really interesting because he's saying that this particular demon knows that the whole demonic kingdom is absolutely helpless before Jesus Christ right? He knows that Christ has the authority to destroy all of them. It's a matter of whether Jesus wants to destroy them now or later. That's what he's asking, right? Have you come to destroy us now? And that's what he's asking. But so what does this demon try to do? And this is the second thing you need to know about this demon. He tries to control Jesus, which is absolutely stupid, because he just acknowledged that Jesus has the authority to destroy him. But the, the way we know that is because he says, I know who you are, Jesus of Nazareth. You are the Holy One, Holy One of God. And back then, they believed that if you could speak the name of the person that's trying to oppress you, you actually have mastery over them. But we all know it's absolutely silly. You know, Jesus rebukes him and then commands him to be silent and comes out. So it's, it's a really quick encounter that happens here. But what's really interesting is that even though this is a very minor demonic exorcism that we read about, It's actually very theologically significant. It's huge. And let me tell tell you why. Because the main thing that we learn from this encounter, believe it or not, is not that Jesus has the power to cast out demons. That's huge. But that's not the main thing whatsoever. Here's the main thing. What we learn is this. That the coming of Christ inaugurated the downfall and the dismantling of all evil and of all sin and of all demonic power in this world. Isn't that huge? The coming of Christ inaugurated the downfall and the dismantling of all evil, all sin, and all demonic influence in this world. That is how deep and that is how wide Christ's authority actually is. His authority is not only supernatural in the sense that he can destroy all demons, cast out all demons and all that kind of stuff, but it is eternally redemptive and that's huge what does that mean it means that Jesus Christ came not only to expel all these unclean spirits demonic spirits from human beings even today but he came to reveal that he has the eternal authority to restore broken people back to health And to wholeness, that he has the authority to liberate captive people, people who are imprisoned in their sins and enslaved in their sins, so that they might have true freedom in Jesus Christ. He came and exercised his authority so to save lost people who are destined for hell into true redemption and reconciliation with their creator. Isn't that awesome? The the extent of his authority is limitless, it's absolutely eternal. So the question then is, why did Jesus show these people that particular aspect of his authority that day? And he did so because he wanted to show them and to prove to them that he was truly from God. Authority, that word authority, we talked about it. Why? So that they would realize that he alone, not anyone else or anything else in all this world, not any other religion, not any other person, but only Jesus Christ himself, he alone possesses the authority To expel all sin and all evil from our lives forever. Only to say, so that they might know that only Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone is the only person you can trust for salvation. There is no one else who can actually give it to you. No one has the authority to do that. But Jesus alone. Jesus revealed his divine authority to become our Savior. And this is huge. And this is what we need to realize daily, all the time, that Jesus Christ alone has the power. But not only does he have the power, but he has already proclaimed victory over all sin, over all evil, not just within our lives, but in the whole world eternally. Which means that he alone is the only one that can actually forgive us of our sins he's the only one in our lives that has the power and the authority to transform our evilness into holiness one day he is the only one who has the authority to liberate us from our addictions to liberate us from our daily hang-ups and to make us whole once again jesus christ is the only one who can save us and therefore he is the only one that we need to trust not just for eternity but for every day and for every moment, right? And it is for those every day and every moments that he revealed his supreme authority to us. Why? So that we could learn to trust him and that when we actually do, we give him the space to work within our lives and then to display that authority in our lives, which I think is missing in so many Christians' lives because we refuse to trust on a daily basis yes many of us trust christ for salvation we did that year six year eight last year who knows when but the one thing that we'd fail to do all the time is to put our faith in his authority in over in and over our lives today and therefore we refuse to give him the space to work within our lives and to exercise that authority in our lives to free us from our addictions, to transform us from our evilness into holiness so that we might see him work and understand who he is and to know him more and to find our true joy in him alone, which is what we talked about last week. Do you know what I'm saying? And if there's anything I can beg you guys to do, it's to learn to trust in him for your every day and your every moment because he revealed his authority to us so that we might have access to his authority and to submit under his authority, so he might exercise that authority for our best. And I don't want you to miss out on that. Jesus came to reveal his authority to us so that he could be our savior. All that takes is faith, not just once, but in every moment, uh, an active, continual trust in him, right? Right? just like my friend is absolutely controlled by his wife, consult Christ constantly. Depend on him continually. Be aware of his presence and live in such a way that pleases him, that depends upon him, that interacts with him. Ask for permission. Ask for wisdom, right? Trust in his sovereignty regardless of what you see in front of your face. Give him all the glory regardless of the result and watch him work his authority in your life to make you like him and to use your life to make him great. He will. Jesus came to be our authority. He came to be our savior and he chose to reveal his authority to us so that we might realize that we can trust him and follow him with our lives. Let's pray. If there's anyone here who has never put your faith in Jesus Christ, can I invite you to do that today? He is the only one that has the authority to forgive sins. He is the only one that has the power to actually save you and bring you to heaven. He is the only one that has the authority to to, to destroy evil and to change us so that we might live like him. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, I invite you to do that today. He loves you. He died on the cross so that all of your friends, all of your sins, could be forgiven in Him. And He died upon that cross so that He might give you His perfect righteousness, His perfect holiness, so that from this day forward you can walk with God, have a relationship with Him, be His child forever, and now have. Christ's authority, rule over your life. If that's what you want, just speak to him today. Trust in what Jesus Christ did for you upon the cross and you can be saved. If anyone has never done that, I'm going to give you 30 seconds. I want to give you a moment to consider it and then to put your faith in him. Let's just take a minute. If anyone made that decision today, can you come and talk to me right after service? I'd love to talk with you. Please just come straight after service. Don't even hesitate. I'll be right in the front. Just come talk to me. I'd love to talk to you if you made a decision for Christ today. That's absolutely awesome. I'm so happy. Um, My last challenge is for believers. No one likes hearing we need to make someone else our boss but Jesus Christ came to be our boss and you gotta know we know already, he he loves us, it's only for our best that he'll do all, all those things can I just ask you to make him your boss if you're gonna be a Christian there's only one way to live it and that's with Christ as our supreme authority just like my friend can't do a thing you know unless he has permission from his wife I just think you know if Christians lived that way with Jesus as their boss I think there would be so much power in the church there would be so much joy in Christians there would be this infectious energy that would spread around the world so passionately and powerfully but I think it's this one thing that because we refuse to do as Christians I think we continue powerless um So can I invite you to make Jesus your boss finally today? Let's do that. Let me give you 30 seconds and then I'll close this in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the work that you're doing in the lives of the people here in this church. We thank you that you are saving people here, that you are revealing yourself to people in such a way that they would want you. And we thank you for that, because that's a miracle, and that's so beautiful. Continue to save people here at FLM. May May it always be the place where people find you and realize that life can never be the same unless it's lived for you. Father, we thank you for the ways that you're working within the believers here at this ministry. God, um, it's never easy to tell someone or that we need to live with someone else as our boss. And so God, I pray that you continue to reveal yourself to us in such a way that it only makes sense every single day. That life would only make sense when we completely realize that that's the greatest way we can live our lives. Because we get you. And we get to see you exercise your beautiful authority within our lives. We get to feel and sense your love and your presence. And we get to know your affirmations. And we get to understand the ways that you're leading us. And God, we pray that you would just make that such a reality within us that all we'd want to do is submit even more. But God, we need your help to do that. Because prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. So God, we need you. Help our brothers and sisters here to always choose you and to be men and women who walk intimately and stubbornly with you. Thank you, God, so much. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.